Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Charles Dickens' classic story, Christmas Carol, tells the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. He was a harsh man, a stingy man, a man who found no joy in Christmas. One Christmas Eve, he had a dream. Three ghosts appeared to him, the past, the present, the future. They showed him the people he had hurt, the people he had neglected, and gave him a glimpse of his future if he continued on the path he was on. He woke up Christmas morning and a changed man, repented of his ways. He went out on Christmas and gave a charity money that he'd earlier declined. He went and took gifts to his employee that he'd been harsh with and had Christmas dinner with them because the ghost of Christmas, past, present, and future had appeared to him. I want to talk to you today about the true ghost of Christmas, the Holy Spirit. When we read the Holy Spirit's name in the older English translations like the King James, it renders it the Holy Ghost, which sounds very strange to us. But the English language at that time, the word is actually guest. We look at it as ghost. What it means is the divine guest. And what a magnificent picture of the Holy Spirit. He's the divine guest of God. And when we accept Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. We find the Holy Spirit very active in the Christmas story around the birth of Jesus. Right after Jesus was born, when he was 40 days old, his parents took him to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 31. Now there was a man called Simeon in Jerusalem who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what is required in accordance with the custom of the law, he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you prepared for all people. Here the Holy Spirit is mentioned three times in Simeon's life, and we get a glimpse into how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and how we will work if we will learn to submit to him and yield to him and depend upon the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. It says, first of all, that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Then it says that the Holy Spirit revealed things to him about his own life and about the future and about the Messiah. Then it says he was moved by the Spirit that day to go to a place, the temple. And while he was there, he moved him to go to the right people, Joseph and Mary. And he moved him for the right purpose, to pray, to bless Jesus, and to give a great prophecy about this child of destiny. Who is the Holy Spirit, and how does he work in our lives? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about emotionalism. We're not talking about fanaticism. We're not talking about signs and wonders. We're not talking about a psychic phenomenon. 
we're talking about the third member of the triune Godhead. One God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When Jesus taught us of our ministry, he said in Matthew 28 and 19, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And throughout the scripture, the Holy Spirit has given many names. In Genesis 1 and 2, he's called the Spirit of God. In Psalm 51 and 10, David prayed, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Zechariah 12 and 10 calls him the spirit of grace and supplication or prayer. Jesus called him the spirit of your father in Matthew 10 in verse 20. He also called him the comforter or helper in John 14 and 6. In John 16 and 8, Jesus said the spirit of truth will come. Paul called him the spirit of holiness who raised Jesus from the dead in Romans 1 verse 4. In Romans 8 and 2, he called him the spirit of life. In Romans 8 and 15, he called him the spirit of adoption. In Romans 8 and 9, he called him the spirit of Christ. In 1 Peter 4 and 16, he calls him the spirit of grace. And in Hebrews 9 and 14, he called him the eternal spirit who raised Christ from the dead. And when he comes to us, he comes in these various expressions and emblems in the scripture, he comes to us and ministers us like the rushing mighty wind of Pentecost to empower us. He comes like the early and the latter rain to give us a harvest. He comes like the water of life to satisfy our spiritual quest and thirst. He comes like rivers of living water that flows out of us in ministry toward others. He comes to us as the fire of God to purify and to refine us. He comes to us as the oil of gladness to heal our wounds. He comes to us like the dove to bring us peace. He comes to us like the royal seal put upon us that guarantees that we are children of God. He comes like a great deposit in our life that guarantees our eternal inheritance in heaven. And we live not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That statement was found in Zechariah 4 and 16. A pastor came to see me from out of state recently about the building program that we had done and, and how the Lord had provided financially, and he wanted to know all about it. And then he talked about a strategy, and I said, listen, most of this is me just getting on my knees and asking God to provide. I said, I cannot quantify and qualify for you how we built a $60 million project and paid for it. I cannot show you the whole. If you looked at the whole story, what you see in it is the hand of God. There's the little part that we do, and then you bring it to God and say, Lord, do something with it. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And you can do that in raising your kids. You can do that in your marriage. You can do that in your business. You do the best you can. And then get on your knees and say, Lord, it's not by might. Do something in my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you'll see the God factor in your life. And somebody says, how did you do that? You say, well, I can tell you the little bit that I did. But let me tell you what God did on top of that. And some people think the Holy Spirit's more like Santa Claus. He's just going to bring us gifts. I was only talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Have you heard the four phases of life? Phase one, you believe in Santa Claus. Phase two, you don't believe in Santa Claus. Phase three, you are Santa Claus. Phase four, you look like Santa Claus. The Holy Spirit is not Santa Claus. He's the person of God with us. And here we learn three important aspects of how the Holy Spirit works in a person's life. And it says of Simeon, first of all, that he was 
a man upon whom the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit is in us when we're saved. It tells us that in 1 Corinthians 16. Do you not realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? What does this phrase, it came upon him? It means the Holy Spirit came upon him for this event, for this moment, for this season in time. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you in a crisis you're facing, in a challenge you're facing. If you say, Lord, come upon me today with power to help me get through this. You'll be amazed at what will happen in your life. The Spirit came upon him. This phrase, there was a man. There was a man. Must not escape our attention. There was a man in Jerusalem. God is always looking for a man. God is always looking for a woman. God is always looking for a young person. Is there a man today in Atlanta? Is there a woman today in Atlanta? Is there a young person today in Atlanta upon whom the Holy Spirit can come? It reminds me of what God said to Ezekiel the prophet, Ezekiel 22 and 30, when God said, I sought for a man among them to build up the wall, to stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land that I should not have to destroy it, but I found none. But today, this day, God found a man in Jerusalem, a righteous man, a devout man, a man who is available to God, and if you are available to God, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Is there a man in this place? Is there a woman in this place? Is there a young person in this place that says, Lord, here am I, send me. The Holy Spirit will come upon you to enable you to do what you can't do. You see, when you make yourself available, God will give you the ability to go beyond your abilities. David found that out. The shepherd, when he was anointed by the prophet Samuel in his home to be the next king, the youngest of eight sons of Jesse, the one that nobody thought had any potential. But Samuel took this horn of oil, represented the Holy Spirit, and poured it over David's head. And listen to what happened, First Samuel 16, 13. When he poured the oil upon him to anoint him, the Bible said, From that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David with power. And that becomes the secret of every accomplishment in David's life. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him because he was available. And when he faced Goliath, he was the only man available today to face the giant. Anybody could have walked in the valley. Anybody could have defeated Goliath. But only one man was available. And upon that man, God put his ability and if you'll make yourself available to God, no matter what your career is or what your work is or what your dreams are, if you'll just say, Lord, here am I, God will put his spirit upon you in power. And when you're facing a challenge and you're facing a crisis in your family, your life, you don't know what to do. Say, Lord, come upon me. Holy Spirit, come upon me. In 1812, there was a small church having a mission service to raise money for missionaries and offerings, and they were making pledges during that service and people giving offerings, and at the end, the leaders went back to count the pledges and to give a report to the pastor and the people were singing songs and then they brought out the report and they found that in all these pledges that were given and the offerings that were given, there was a little note from a young man in the church and he put myself, one word, myself, I give myself and signed it, John Shuck. They didn't know what to think about that. Is that just the emotionalism of a young person caught up in a 
mission service. But you know, in 1835, John Lewis Shuck was the first missionary sent by the Baptist church to China because he made himself available to God. There was a man and the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's all we are here today. We're just men. We're just women made from the dust of the ground, jars of clay. But we become something altogether differently when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And then it says it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And I submit to you today that you are not ready to die. Nobody wants to think about dying, what a morbid thought. But you are not ready to die until you have seen the Lord's Messiah. You are not ready to leave this world until you've had an encounter with Jesus. And said, Lord, I believe in you. You're the Messiah, the Savior of the world. It was revealed to him. The Holy Spirit showed him something that he could not learn naturally. You see, God speaks to us through reason. Reason is so important. That's why education is important. But God also speaks through Revelation. He just opened something that was closed. That's what Revelation means. It means to have a book that's closed and suddenly it's open to you. Or to have something that's hidden is now uncovered. God just shows you something. You know, one of the greatest prayers you can pray for your kids is that God will give them revelation. One of the greatest prayers you can pray in your marriage is that God give you revelation. To give you revelation. Listen to this prayer in Ephesians 1 verse 17. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. Listen to this prayer. He said, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I often pray that prayer for you as your pastor. That the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you wisdom and revelation into the things of God so that you may know the Lord better. I pray it for my kids. It was revealed to him by the Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That's what happened to Peter toward the end of Jesus' ministry when he got all the disciples together and said, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah or John the Baptist come back from the dead. But what about you, Yes? Who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. There was a man upon whom the Holy Spirit came, and it was revealed to him, and God will reveal things to you about your life, about your finances, about your future, about the decisions you need to make. If you'll just say, Lord, send me today in my life the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Show me the way to go. And he gave him the greatest revelation of Jesus. You see, that day in the temple, Simeon recognized Jesus. Among all the babies that were in the temple that day, he recognized that Jesus was different. Have you recognized yet that Jesus is different than Muhammad? He's different than Buddha? He's different than Joseph Smith? He's not like them? They're sinners in need of grace like the rest of us? 
Have you recognized Jesus for who he truly is? The Messiah of God, the Savior of the world? And not only recognized him, he received him. He went and took him in his arms. What a moment that was. Now, we can't take Jesus in our arms, but we can take him in our hearts. We can receive him as our Savior. You said, is anywhere in the Bible inviting Christ into your heart? Well, it does tell us in Ephesians 3 and 17 that Christ will dwell in your hearts by faith. There it is. It is in there. It's not just something we tell kids. You see, my wife, Barbie, she's in my heart. I love her. My kids are in my heart. You're in my heart. That's what it means to invite Christ into your heart, that you love Jesus now and you devote your life to him and you trust him. He recognized him, different from all the other babies. He received him and then he rejoiced in him. He praised God. My eyes have seen your salvation and there's so many things to praise God for, but the greatest is our salvation. Aren't you glad today we're saved by grace today and we have eternal life? That's the spiritual question of our times. Who is Jesus? Is he a carpenter? Yes, he's a carpenter, but more than a carpenter. For he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is he a teacher? Yes, but more than a teacher. For he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Is he a prophet? Yes, but more than a prophet. For he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Is he a philosopher? Yes, but more than a philosopher. For in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Is he a priest? Yes, he's a priest, but more than a priest. For he ever lives to make intercession for us. Is he a psychologist? Yes, but more than a psychologist. He's wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Is he a leader? Yes, he's a leader, but more than a leader. For he said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Is he a lawyer? Yes, but more than a lawyer. For the scripture says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Is he a judge? Yes, he's a judge, but more than a judge. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the deeds done in the body, whether good or bad. Is he a politician? Yes, but more than a politician, he is king of kings and lord of lords. Have you recognized who Jesus is? Have you received him in your heart? Have you rejoiced that he is your savior? I was in a coffee shop. One Christmas, a man was from out of town, recognized me. I never met him, came over and introduced himself. He said, I'd like to tell you my testimony. He said, I'm from North Carolina. A few years ago, somebody gave me a CD recording of a sermon you preached on John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and lived among us. I said, yes, it was the unchanging Christ. He said, somebody gave me that. He said, I, I grew up Catholic. I wasn't really a practicing Christian. I had no relationship really with God. But I started listening to that sermon. Then I got my Bible out and started following along that first chapter, John, as you talked about Jesus. And he said, I had such an encounter with Jesus and a revelation of who Jesus is. 
He said, I gave my heart to Christ that night. He said, I was so excited about it. I went to some neighbor's homes and I got my Bible out and told them all about Jesus, the word of God who came to us. Have you recognized who Jesus is? Have you received him into your heart? Can you rejoice today that you are saved by grace? And then it says he was moved by the Spirit. I'm an emotional person. I like emotions. I don't know about you, but I seem to be driven by my emotions. So I like that word moved. I, I like to feel something in life. Anybody else? So I know what it feels like to be moved, to be stirred. He was moved by the Spirit. Literally, you know, the New Testament's written in the Greek language. It actually reads, in the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Think about that. He was in the Spirit. That means he was influenced by the Spirit. Now, I hope you never get a DUI, but you need an LUI. Don't drive under the influence, but you need to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You need to live in the Spirit. You know, the Bible tells us in Galatians 5 and 16, walk in the Spirit. In Galatians 5 and 25, it says, live in the Spirit, in the atmosphere of the influence, of the direction of the Spirit. Philippians 3 and 3 says, to worship in the Spirit. Ephesians 6 and 18 says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Here was a man who was in the Spirit that day. He was moved by the Spirit. To go to the right place, he went to the temple of God. We all know that when you come to the house of God, extraordinary things happen. How many testimonies are here today of what's happened to you when you just came to church, got in the presence of the Lord, the presence of his people, and heard the word, and our lives were changed. I was saved in church. I wouldn't be your pastor today had my parents not taken me to church. It was there I heard the gospel. It was there sitting on the front pew of the church that I gave my heart to Jesus when I was eight years old. That's why I'm here today. Because I recognized who he is. I received him and I rejoice in him. I was called to preach in church, sitting on the pew Sunday night, sitting with our youth group. It was there God spoke directly to me. God's rarely spoken anything directly to me. But I heard him that night. It was so overwhelming when he said, I want you to preach my gospel. Verbatim, I want you to preach my gospel. I'm not here to preach anybody else's gospel. I'm here to preach the gospel of Christ. But I would not be your pastor today had my parents not brought me to church as a teenager. It was in the house. It was in the temple. He moved him to the right place. That's where this moment happened. And he moved into the right people. He knew that they were the parents. He knew it by the Spirit. Those are the people God directed him to. In your life, God's going to direct you to people to help and to minister to. And you'll think, that was such a strange coincidence. It wasn't a coincidence at all. The Lord will move you to the right people to help them at times. 
And he moved into the right purpose. He was there for one purpose, to take Jesus in his arms and confess before everybody, here's the Messiah. Think about that. Before John the Baptist introduced Jesus at age 30 as the Lamb of God, Simeon introduced Jesus in the temple when he was 40 days old as the Messiah. Here's the Messiah. He said, this baby. That was his purpose. And he gave a prophetic word and blessing, really. It's not even a prophecy. It's a blessing to Joseph and Mary. He moved him to the right place, to the right people, for the right purpose. And if you'll just ask the Lord to lead and guide your life in your personal life, where you're going to college, in your career, in your finances, in your decisions, just say, Lord, move me today. Always moving to the right places in life, to the right people in life, and to the right purpose in life. There's a new technology called hypersonic sound. It's a new technology. It's pretty fascinating because they can direct sound in a very narrow beam. They use it in great art galleries where you could be standing before a magnificent painting. And then there's an audio telling you about that painting. And a person can be a painting next to you and they can't hear what you're hearing. They can direct it only to you. It can be used... In an audience like this, where you could hear me, you could sit in groups of four different languages if you sat in that area, and you could hear me interpreted in four different languages, and the next group could hear what you're hearing. They use it in safety services, like in a large crowd. If there's violence or somebody were to get sick, they can direct that sound into a crowd to one person. And the rest of the crowd can't even hear it. God is speaking today. And the world is listening to the noise of the culture. But you and I can hear from God today. That morning, Simeon heard what nobody else heard. For the get up and go to the temple. I've got an assignment for you today. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you that nobody else knows. And the Holy Spirit will move you to the right places in your life, to the right people in your life, to the right purpose in your life. One thing I've learned in my journey so far, it's true. The Christian life is lived not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.